Yep, I get it. I know exactly what you're thinking. Here we go. Another podcast. Well, you know what? I'm here to tell you something. This just isn't any other podcast. This is the Vision Life 365 podcast, where we give you a front row seat to organic missionary work. My name is Jason Sykes, and I'm here with my co-host, Gary Hale, and we're coming to you from beautiful San Pedro de Macorís, Dominican Republic. We're here serving with the DR Vision team. Our podcast is designed to encourage you towards Great Commission living. Along the way, you get to see the good, the bad, and even sometimes the ugly of missionary work. We hope to encourage and challenge you on your personal sanctification and ministry walk. Here we go. All right, good to have you guys back, and I'm here with uh, my good friend Gary Hale. Gary, how are you doing today? Hey, doing wonderful, man. End of the week, ready yeah. for the weekend. I know, man, but when I walked up, uh, when I saw you in your office, you, it looked a little rough there for a minute. Well, I was getting ready for this podcast, uh, and or I was working on the sermon. I think I was getting ready for this podcast. Okay. You know, getting ready for, you know, our, if I can say it this way, game day is Sunday. I mean, you know, yeah, big event as far as having all the believers together and, and responsibility. Yeah. Responsibility. But, uh, no, I actually, I think I was working on the, on the podcast, you know, trying to make this, the, I'm trying to get our, our, our listenership up a little bit, you know, yeah, you, I think you've been gonna, challenging me with that, that I'm, yeah, you know, I'm slipping. I, Curtis still has, I mean, he just took it away, man. It's like, we're never going to be able to win against that. Yeah. He, he wins the prize. I don't know. We should send him maybe a couple of cookies or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we, we have no sponsors, so we can't send him very much. <laughs> Curtis is in the, the military. So he's like, he's probably making it mandatory, mandatory that, down that all his units. <laughs> listen to this and give him feedback or something, you know. He's cutting them deals or something. So I, I don't know if we're going to be able to compete. I, I guess number two is what we're going for. There you go. There you go. So we, we've got to hit something here pretty soon that, that just shoots us out of the park. So, yeah. well, listen, today we were, we're hitting a subject that uh, I think Gary and I have talked about personally, uh, but we've never really done a podcast on it. And I know for me, my own personal life uh, has really shaped a lot of the way I view ministry and, and the way things are done um, over the years has really changed uh, the way I think on some things and help me philosophically. And that is just reading, uh, investing time in reading and, um, well, people who don't want to read are clicking off right now. Yeah, there you go. Hey, audiobooks, man, audible is awesome. <laughs> so, uh, if you don't like to read, you can get in your car and listen to audiobooks through uh, audible. I think just about everybody's got Bluetooth in their car now, except for, you know, us. So, so readers are going to like, yeah, 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 this is a good topic. I'm all into it. Non-readers are like, uh, they're already looking at their watch. <laughs> they're already, I think I'm going to click this off. So tell us why, Jason, in a nutshell, that a non-reader should consider what we have to say today. Because I think it pushes me outside my box. Uh, whether you realize it or not, you have a cultural box. You have, uh, you have many boxes in your life that hem you in that you don't realize, and at least makes you think outside that area and challenges you, uh, at least it has me. Um, to look at things through a different set of glasses doesn't mean always you're going to agree. And probably with everything I've got listed here, I probably don't agree 100% with anybody I've read. But um, how does that help you? Like, who cares? Well, it, it's, uh, I think, uh, if I can give a personal example, uh, I love reading John C. Maxwell books on leadership, for instance. Um, I'll give you a personal testimony. Um, Probably family culture, uh, personality-wise, I used to be way more confrontational than I am. That was my way of dealing with issues. Is hey, this we got to fix this. Uh, and I read a book. Wish I could remember the one. I know the author, but I wish I could remember which book it was. But uh, Maxwell really hit on the fact that 
as far as leadership is concerned, that normally when you have a confrontational moment, that's it. You've drawn a line in the sand. It's either going to you're going to get past that line or not. And typically, if you don't get past that line with a person, now you have a hard line in the sand. In other words, they're not there. There's a there's a kind of a fence there after yeah. that. But if you can, if it's not an issue of morality and things like that, if it's an issue of influence, then influence is far greater uh, opportunity. And so he basically says, don't burn your bridges. So um, unless it's a major moral issue or something that just really can't keep going, yeah. he, he says, don't blow your, inf- your opportunity for influence. I mean, I saw a huge, that, that was huge for me in Venezuela. Yeah. So would you say that um, then it's like having counsel? I mean, a book is like sitting down with an author, is it not? It is. It is. That has some life experience, has knowledge, and you're kind of picking his brain. He's giving you his best, his or her best material, and you can put that in practice in your own life. I guess you said. Yeah, and I guess even going back to Maxwell here for a second is – you know, he says, for instance, many times, let's let's look at leadership, for for instance. Leadership is kind of like this preconceived idea that you have to be the guy at the top, the guy who calls the shots to be a leader. But that's not necessarily the case. You can leave, lead from within within an organization. You can lead from mid-level. doesn't mean you call the shots, but you can influence. You can always have that influence. In fact, Maxwell says leadership is influence. And so, I mean, that's challenged a lot of paradigms that typically we have in our mind that says, oh, I can't do that because. And then you look at it and you go, no, actually, I can. Doesn't mean that I may not be the CEO of the company, you know, on a secular level or may not be the pastor of the church. But, you know, I still can have influence and I still can lead and help and provide leadership structure and encourage others and lift them up. Another thing I love about Maxwell is he's very servant oriented. In other words, his way of leadership is by serving others, which is exactly what, you know, we're reading the, today in our, our, our reading, Bible reading for today, as far as discipleship is concerned, is that's how we do discipleship as well. We, we, we serve others. Yeah, I think Jesus did that, didn't he? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, uh, but I, yeah, I think that's great. I mean, that's, um, I don't even know what I want to say with that. That's all right, man. That's okay. I, you know, for, for me, um, I, I, when I was in school, you know, like high school, even college, uh, I didn't like to read a whole lot. It was kind of like, yeah, you know, um, but I think since I've been in ministry, I, my dad has probably been the best challenge for me uh, spiritually. And I think in, without even knowing it, he's challenged me to read. And that was because um, if I could say it this way, I kind of had a canned Christianity for a long time, went to Christian school, um, went to been in church since I was little, 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 little. And I could give you all, I could quote all the good Bible verses for everything, and I could give you all the good reasons why you should or shouldn't do something. But I really never internalized it. It was never something real to me until my dad challenged me. Um, and, you know, uh, being super transparent, I don't know if my dad listens to our podcast. I don't think he does, but I'm not sure my dad's a believer. And so the things that he would challenge me on were, you know, he challenged it. He pushed at me hard on alcohol, that kind of stuff. Now, we never had, my dad never had that much in the house uh, when I was a kid, but he did a couple times. And when he did, he, always, he would always make little statements. And I came back with my canned Christianity and, and he would challenge that. And so it made me dig and realize why I do what I do and why I don't do what I don't do. And so, you know, it, it really helped me establish why we don't have alcohol in our home. Um, because in biblically, not just because my church doesn't, but because, hey, this, the, this is the principle that we use in our home for that reason. And this is why we don't. And so, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, you talk about the mission field and my dad would sometimes sarcastically say, oh, yeah, well, where's the mission field? You know, and uh, I remember my dad telling me one time, 
saying to me, well, if you really believed hell was what it really is, then you'd be way more active than you are. Mm. And I thought, wow, those are things that maybe he meant uh, sarcastically in the moment, but those are things that really pushed me to go, hey, I need to know why I believe what I believe. And so uh, that has helped me because if many times it is easy to have kind of a canned uh, Christianity and, you know, you spit out an answer that you've heard a whole your whole life, but you've never really internalized. You've never made it. That's you've never really dug deep to find out. That's why, um, you know, for instance, on the alcohol thing, I, I bought several books, um, tremendous book. Uh, I think it's called What Would Jesus Drink, uh, which was kind of a sarcastic title. But it was a guy who who um, went through every verse in the Bible that you find on alcohol. And uh, <clears throat> that was good for me because. He took the issue for what it was, and uh, and I agree with his reasonings for not not drinking. But the, those were the things that challenged me, and so it was good to see a scholarly work where he went through every passage and said, "Okay, this is this is why I don't." Because he he, he qualified them as some that may be considered pro or in favor of. You know, Paul says to Timothy, "Take a little wine for thy belly's sake," and then you got others in Proverbs, obviously, that talk about don't look on it when it's when it's bubbling and all that. And so <clears throat> he worked his way through. And then he said, listen, these are the reasons why I don't, and this is why I can't. And so therefore, here's, and it was great for me. Mm-hmm. That helped me establish from my home, this is why we don't do it. Here's the biblical reason, not because I've just been told it my whole life, but here's the reason why. Yeah. So so, so books um, expand your understanding, um, help you go deeper in different subjects. I mean, I, I would think that reading is something that is not, yeah, I think for the Christian and Christian minister or labor it um it starts there but it really can books can help us in all facets of life oh yeah well i, I, I mean all uh, christianity is is all facets of life but as far as specializations or you know like we were talking in a recent podcast um, about you know knowledge about flipping houses or whatever but even whatever your job is um, sure you know you can learn by by reading well most people most secular people i mean we talked about this on the mentorship uh, podcast yeah. but you know, most people in the secular world, regardless of what what field you work in, you generally have some type of in-service uh, trainings throughout your your time to brush you up on certain skills or expand beyond as things change and times change or technology changes uh, to make you aware of what those things are and keep you current. You know, uh, I believe doctors and nurses have basically things like that that they've got to they've got to have a certain number of hours. They they you know. So why wouldn't we if yeah. if that's so important? If if physical health is so important, why would spiritual health not be that important as well? Yeah, sure. I mean, you don't want to go to a doctor that the last textbook he's read was in school. Right, exactly. I mean, medicine changes, um, you know, diseases and things, you know, uh, there's new understanding about those things. And so if you're going to a doctor, though he might be very good on on a lot of stuff, uh, if he's relying on a textbook from 40 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he might not be the best in, in some cases, you know. Well, and there's a topic we talk about a lot in missions, and you see it a lot in Latin America. And I'm not, um, I am not, I don't want this to sound wrong at all, because actually my wife brought it up that it's actually in our own country, but that's the issue of critical thinking. Yeah. And that is kind of thinking outside the, the box or, or processing everything from not a critical in a, in a standpoint of being, um, talking down about something, but evaluating why you do what you do. In other mm-hmm. words, and, and when often we don't realize that there's so many things that we do that are just based on tradition and we don't even realize that that's the reason why we do those things. For instance, uh, I love Tom Rainer's book, uh, Simple Church. Yeah. 
that really revolutionized how I thought about the church and, and how can we be most effective to do what God has called us to do rather than, and so the traditional model, I'm not down on the traditional model, um, but how can we, how can we adjust that? How can we, you know, and he talks about a lot about programs and things like that. What is distracting from your main focus? And, you know, sometimes we have to, you do the same thing in a, again, uh, I don't want to uh, use secular world as, as the, the standard, but I mean, a lot of times you, you have meetings several times a year, you evaluate the business, you learn where the dead weight is, you learn where what's not productive to the final, you know, desired outcome and you make those tweaks in, in, in that sense why would we not do the same where hey man we we just started doing something based on tradition or maybe in a different time period this worked you know worked great in the 80s but it's not working right now so let's reevaluate let's look at it let's see how we're doing stuff or hey maybe unintentionally we stepped away from the great commission yeah how do we get back again and i think he makes that, that, that that's a that's a great book we used that um several years ago to start making some tweaks uh, to the ministry here. And, um, you know, I think he makes that that point that if you ask, if you polled, if the average pastor was to poll their congregation about what their mission of the church was, express what the mission of the church is, you'd be surprised. You'd be shocked at the the different responses that you would have. Because what the pastor thinks is not always what is... Uh, what the people are hearing or what the people are seeing. And sometimes those programs get in the way of that. Now, programs aligned, which he makes that point, you know, to accomplish the missions can be good, but many times, or the mission can be good, but many times uh, there's so much clutter in, in church yeah. life and there's so much just trying to have people coming in and out and all that. And, and see, so if you were to do a poll, you would find that people would express it um, very differently. And so, again, I think, uh, uh, you know, Book, authors who have, have done research or have experience, you know, allows us to step uh, into a conversation with them and, and glean from their wisdom that can help us. And, and obviously the Word of God doesn't change. The Word of God is uh, eternal. And, you know, so I think it starts there. Obviously, as a Christian, we, we step back into that and we, uh, you know, study. Um, you know, as Paul tells uh, uh, Timothy in Second Timothy, 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, you know, you've got to study the word in yeah. order to know it, in order to be able to, to, to you know, help other people with it. Um, you know, there, there, another author that, you know, from a mission standpoint that really has encouraged me, I read the book uh, um, by Steve Saint called The Great Omission. And yeah. that was... Uh, that was huge for me because, and, and even after reading it, I made some of the mistakes that he mentioned in the book. It's unintentional, but when we were in Venezuela, uh, we lived in, in a situation where we were seeing really horrible poverty, uh, people not eating and things like that. And so um, you you try to help people. And uh, there's a book, I think, I don't know who the author is, but there's another book called When Helping Hurts. Yeah. Um, and we did. We hurt without trying, and that's because without even trying, we elevated somebody from one social level to another, and that's what, you know, um, in, 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 in the United States, we look at racism as kind of black and white, the, the, the divide there that we've seen over the years, but really in, the, in Venezuela at least, and, and I think I've seen a little bit here in the Dominican, is it's more of a social class, is the division. It's not black and white, it's social class, and... Uh, so we took this guy out of his social class and bumped him up without trying. We were just trying to help him. Uh, and really, in the end, that that caused him to kind of turn on us because, um, 
anyway, it, it, the bottom line was it was well intended. Um, bought him an old beat up car. I mean, we didn't think we were doing anything super great, but in that process, we we hurt. I think, and as I look back, my intentions were great. Yeah. My intentions were great, but um, I should have thought through that process a little bit. And sometimes you just got to get some bumps and scrapes, and, and before you can really. But that book helped me at least to identify, even though I had already read the book, to identify. Okay, you know what? I see it. I see where the mistake was, where I could have, if I've never read that book, not even really known mm-hmm. where, how to identify what happened and still kind of sit back and kind of puzzled looking at the situation, like what happened. But um, Steve Saint in that book talks about how, you know, the, 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 the guys were killed uh, through Gates of Splendor, the book, when the guys went down there, they were killed by the Alki Indians and um, <clears throat> became very famous. The whole story became very famous. And so people started taking missions trips down there and people pouring their money into it. And they started building these churches in the jungle for the for the jungle people. Uh, and what happened was Steve Saint, so he, Steve comes back after some time in the States, a couple of years, and he notices that the churches that were built in the jungle are just in shambles. And um, he said, uh, man, what are you guys doing? How come you didn't, you know, how come you didn't take care of this? And basically they said, yeah, because it's not ours. Mm-hmm. And uh, so many times we put emphasis on a building or we put emphasis on one thing or the other. And so that kind of helped me see that um, when sometimes you, you do something well-intentioned, but in the process, the people giving them so much money, they really didn't help them. They, they kind of hurt them to a certain extent because they accustomed them to receiving, receiving, receiving to the point where they didn't appreciate what they had because there was no personal investment in it. Sure. And I, think, you know, and I think you can see a connection of that to you know, without getting too political here and losing more people uh, from our podcast, we need everybody we have, but uh, look at some of our engagements as uh, the United States and other places in the world. And of course, right right now, hot is uh, Afghanistan. Yeah. It's immensely more complex than what me and you can break down sure. uh, right here. But I mean, think about it. The, the country had all the equipment that they needed, had all the training they needed, had all the resources they needed. Yeah. And it's just fallen. Yep. You know, and so uh, again, throwing money at a problem doesn't always bring a lasting, you know, a, a lasting change or create a something that's going to sustain. And I think that's what, you know, I, what I liked about Steve Saint's um, thought on in that book too was um, the interdependency that he calls for. Mm-hmm. And a lot of mission agencies either create a dependency or they make it, or, or you know, they don't they don't strive for interdependency. That they that both the receiving country and the in the country that's coming, they both need yeah. you know, to be dependent upon one another. Right. And so, creating a relationship that's a, you know, it's cliche, but a win-win for for both that helps the body of Christ. Looking at it more from a body of Christ than a, a superior culture to an inferior mm-hmm. culture. Yep. And um, and so, uh, yeah. I mean, again, you you pick through. You know, you, you pick the minds of people who've um, had to deal, ha- have had life experience. They've been down the road in a certain area, and they can, uh, you know, they can give you insight that can help you to understand. Because you know, like the old saying goes, you don't know what you don't know. Well, <laughs> and so. yeah, exactly. And 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 when you look at it, actually, kind of comparing this to our our podcast on mentoring. You're basically letting this person mentor you. It's just they're not sitting right in front of you. Just like you said at the beginning of the podcast, you're actually kind of essentially sitting down with the author uh, and listening to what they're teaching you because you know you're you're they're putting it in their words where you can you can learn and apply. 
I mean, uh, I, I, w- I was uh, reading a comment that Warren Buffett, you know, one of the richest men in the world, uh, had given a comment about a, a leadership book. Um, Doris Kearns wrote a book called Leadership in Turbulent Times, and she covers in this book Abraham Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, and, Lynn, and Lyndon B. Johnson. Uh, all these leaders faced uh, some crises in, in their leadership. And Warren Buffett's comment about this book uh, I thought was, uh, was interesting. He, he said, business students invariably in, in ask me, what, with what historical figure would you like to have lunch? And he says, Doris Kearns Goodwin has prepared a marvelous buffet, uh, banquet with four leaders whose lives provide lessons for all of us. Pull up a chair. Mm. And I, I just like that imagery of sitting down at a banquet as if you could sit down there with Abraham Lincoln. So tell me about the challenges of, you know, you had some turbulence, didn't you? And, and, and that's what he's saying, that, that you know, she's unpacking all that you know, yeah. with these different leaders. And so we get a chance, you know, whether the topic is leadership, the business, if it's ministry, whatever the topic is, we have an opportunity to sit down, pull up a chair, and learn from, and you know, you can learn from people you don't even agree with. I think exactly. that's one of the things that has been um, has been to the disadvantage of conservative uh, Christians is that they they're um, conservative Christian churches that traditionally they only read from a very very select yes. and very narrow <clears throat> author list. We tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and yeah. that and I did that at once. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, I am not reformed. Um, as far as my, my, we'll say, philosophical uh, approach to Scripture. But there was a point where I got frustrated with MacArthur and got rid of all my MacArthur commentaries, and then I basically turned around and read. It was costly. Oh, yes, it was. (laughs) Yes, it was. And uh, there's a a used bookstore in Chattanooga called McKay's Books, and I took them and— They have the Jason Sykes section. Yeah, um, and I regretted it afterwards because MacArthur is probably one of the best as far as when you take a— you know, deep in the Greek, kind of, he he works well with the, the original languages, and he works well with the with the application side of things as well. Obviously, I don't agree with everything he says and every perspective that he has, but that's okay. Um, that's part of being a critical thinker and saying, "Hey, yeah. I can eat the meat and spit out the bones." And and I would say, you know, I brought a list of books that have been, been huge for me, and I would say just about on every author, I would say there's some things I liked, there's some things I didn't like, and I think that's good. I think that's okay to look at a book through that set of of lenses because I think there's a little we can be foolish to be so far as just to hook line and sinker everything without doing some kind of critical thought. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, and no, no one. I mean, we are all um, in the process of if we're Christians, we're all in this process of sanctification, right? And so exactly. we can be wrong on things, yeah. and, and and then there can be there can be multiple ways of doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, there there's not just one right way to have a Sunday morning church service. Exactly. You know, we have our preferences and, and we have our uh, contexts and we have our realities that we have to deal with. Now, there there are going to be some common things that we would agree, okay, this should be part of that, but how it all plays out is going to be a little bit different. And so, you know, you, you, you have to, like you said, you have to pick through and, and, and see how, be. I think it puts you in a position as a learner. Yeah. And if you're if you're approaching life as in you have all the answers and you have nothing to learn. Yeah, that's scary. You know, that's pretty scary. <clears throat> yeah, there. And I'll give you another example of a book that I think was huge for me that really changed the way I thought. Um, but I think the author can go a little bit too far sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Pagan Christianity by Frank Viola. That was a great yeah. book. 
um, because they helped me realize that there's a lot of traditional things we do in churches that have their roots in paganism that we don't even realize. We just do it because we've always done it. Um, He challenged basically the idea, for instance, he said, you know, if we're supposed to make disciples, yet the way we structure our church services is people come in, they sit down, they face one direction, they face the speaker. They're only allowed to speak really basically uh, when they either sing or greet one another uh, or when they're, you know, in the lobby or basically that's it. And so we expect them to go out and make disciples, but we basically train them to come sit down, shut up and go home, you know. And so um, when there's no interaction and no discipleship going on, so obviously uh, that doesn't mean you all of a sudden have to take get rid of the pulpit and get rid of the stage, but it does mean okay, when you're looking at an influential side and engaging them, then maybe you want to tweak your discipleship program so that there is some interaction where they're speaking and being a part of, you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's for or instance. Just, or just realize <clears throat> that, that discipleship is going to happen outside of that service. Just like yes. when Jesus is, is lecturing and teaching, sometimes there's interaction, sometimes there's not. Right. And so there's a place. But if you think that discipleship is happening just in the church service. Right, exactly. Then, you know, you might... Um, you might want to reconsider that, yeah. You know, because you you may just be teaching them to that it's just about a performance. It's exactly, just, it's, it's just an event. That's all it is. Invite your friend to the church service. Let the pastor do all the work. You know, instead of no, I should be uh, talking to my friends and neighbors about Christ, and I should be not only just talking to them about the Christ, but as they accept the Lord, then I should be able to help them grow outside of the. Sunday morning church. And, and like, I'll give you a couple other examples from the book. He talked about how the stage is elevated, how the pastor is elevated behind mm-hmm. the lectern uh, or behind the pulpit. And, and I, although I can see what he's saying, I think he's taken that a little bit too far in my opinion, yeah. but it did help me as a missionary say, okay, um, I can see, especially when we're ministering in like a, you know, a Catholicism type, type, uh, uh, I don't want to say atmosphere, but culture here. Okay. You know, maybe that that changes at least the way I present. I can present in a way, even though I'm up in in front in a pulpit, the way I conduct myself doesn't have to seem like I'm elevated or I think I'm better. Or I can communicate within my message and say, hey, listen, we're in this together. This is something that we're facing. So it doesn't seem like I'm elevating or creating this clergy slash lady, you know, distinction. So there there was things, like I said, in 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 that book where... Take the meat and uh, spit out the bones, but maybe you can make small tweaks to and adjustments, you know, so you don't bring in a demolition crew and change the way mm-hmm. you do everything next week. But yeah, it, and I think that's a frustration thing for for congregations as well. Is sometimes uh, pastors have made quick changes because they've gone to a seminar, or they've read the latest book that's the fad, you know, and so then they start into implementing these changes, and, and you know, maybe that might be. A tendency of more of the smaller, medium-sized churches because you're looking for that jolt mm-hmm. to really get to that next level. And um, you know, I think you have to read and uh, and again, I think you, you have to still put this all in the context of how is the Lord leading you and, exactly. And so, and that's going to come from your prayer time and your reading in the Scripture and your personal devotion. Because if you're just relying on the 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 reading list of somebody else and, and relying on the, the popular speakers or, or whoever the, the author of the day is, and you're just hook, line, sinker them, that's not in your context necessarily. Right. Now, you can learn. You can you can have wisdom and all that. But if you're not walking with uh, the author and finisher of our faith. See that you 100 you know, <clears throat> percent because and, and I would say, too, that 
Um, you gotta, you've got to have a clean, you've got to have a good understanding and grasp of what grace is as you step into this world of reading. The reason I say that is because just of what you just said, when I approach this and I realize there's things within me that need to change, then I'm approaching this as a way to hopefully make me a better minister of the gospel. You know, whether it's on a leadership level or a laity level, whatever later level it's on, that I'm going to be a better ex- example and, and, and follower of Jesus Christ. What happens is, is when I start, when God starts working on me and I think, if I don't understand grace, that all of a sudden, whatever he's doing in me, he must do in everyone else as well. And I take for granted the fact that other people are at different levels of maturity. And I take for granted, or maybe I'm immature about the idea that um, my convictions need to be everyone else's convictions. And I don't, I don't see the fact that God works at different people in different ways at different times. Um, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not obliterating standards within scripture, but I mean, when you look in the old Testament, you have it pretty clear what you can eat, what you got to wear, you know, when you get to the New Testament, very relational. There's a lot of principles to apply, and we have to be careful. And I think that's where it's almost scary a little bit because what it forces you to do is like what you just said. It's based on your relationship. It's based on the Holy Spirit. Whatever is not of faith is sin. So you may not find an, an, an express verse that just comes right out and says this is right or this is wrong. But if your conscience condemns you, then it's wrong because whatever is you can't do in the realm of faith if your conscience condemns you, then you need not to do it because that's, <clears throat> and so there's a, there's an element of spiritual maturity. I would say, as you go into this, you have to be, be careful. And there's an element of wisdom, you know, of not just running out, changing everything. Like, like I said, for, for the, the, the pagan Christianity, for me, it was good. Yeah. I couldn't get, I, I, yeah, I read a little bit of that, but, uh, <laughs> I've been in my bookshelf. I, I don't know. It just didn't, the tone didn't strike me. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I got into some of that and the, the pulpit and all this kind of stuff. And, and then I just kind of lost interest because it was like everything, which is ironic because he's writing a book. Right. And so, I mean, I mean, everything that, that we do is wrong or that's what it felt like, but, but it's totally not, get you. but it was, it was more, I think the tone than it was. Uh, it was kind of a, a depressing negative. <laughs> like I said, and, and again, you want my copy, I'll sign it for you. That's okay. And again, I mean, different folks, yeah. different strokes for different folks. For me, it was, but I don't a, judge you for for that. And, and that's the thing. I mean, you could, you, you pick some things that, that helped you right? Uh, for some things that you were thinking about or what you were living. And so, um, you know, again, you can, you don't have to agree with all the authors 100%. Well, I think it did for me the same thing, kind of what, what Simple Church did is it, it didn't make this revolutionary bringing a, a, you know, a construction crew and change everything. Yeah. But it helped me to say, okay, <clears throat> if there's this tendency to have, you know, elevate the idea of clergy over laity, then I'm going to make sure the way I handle myself is in a way that people feel like that I'm no superior over yeah. them. That I'm walking the same path that they're walking because I'm not. I'm I'm I've been given a job to do, but there's no there's no. Yeah. I'm, in other words, my my job description kind of makes me more accountable. You know, if I'm if I'm leading leading at Semca, leading in the in the seminary here, or you leading as pastor, or when I was in Venezuela leading as pastor, sure, the, there, there's more responsibility that comes along with that too. So I need to evaluate how I'm interacting, and that's kind of the way the book uh, the book hit me. So. Who, who who do you uh, give me give me some books that you like or you have read that just you feel like have really impacted you? Well, I like I like the uh, the Saint book on uh, the Great Omission. Uh, Dallas Willard has uh, a book by that the same same title. It's uh, much more difficult to read Dallas Willard. You know, you have to read like. 
10 times, or at least I do. Yeah. Uh, he'll push you on your thinking, but, um, you know, talking about discipleship, but, um, you know, I think the same book is good. A Visioneering by Andy Stanley, one of his earlier books. Uh, and, you know, I know there's some opinions about Andy and his, some of his uh, statements, shocking, provocative statements that he's made about the word or, or what have you. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that earlier book was uh, really, um, really uh, helped crystallize some things for me and helped me to think through. We used it, uh, we've used it for our internship. Uh, we'll take the interns out on a retreat and really just get into, you know, what do you think God's calling you to do, you know, with mm-hmm. your life? And for some of them, they you know they're 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 struggling with understanding what that is, and so I think he takes a lot of measured steps. It's not just you know go out and do something you know and have faith in the Lord, but it's really discerning. As ne- he takes Nehemiah, mm-hmm. you know how Nehemiah prayed and and um, and uh, you know waited upon the Lord and, and really articulated his vision and how he went about. It. I mean, it's a great book. I love that. Another book that I like uh, from the business world, uh, Good to Great. Uh, it was one of the best business books that you. It's highly rated. Jim Collins does everything research, and it's basically talking about um, the companies that made it mm-hmm. and um, what made them successful. And when you read that book, you you can't you can't read that book and not think all oh, these are scriptural principles. Mm-hmm. I think I remember there was only one that maybe I couldn't find that I couldn't think uh, a connection to Christian principles. But the other, I mean, one one of the points that he he makes is. Um, that the very successful leaders of this, uh, you know, of these great companies um, tend to be very humble. Mm. They're very humble. And he, he tells a story about uh, walking into, uh, you know, the, the headquarters or walking into a, to a room and he couldn't tell who the leader was. Mm. Because the leader, the leader, everybody knows who the leader is, but the leader is not having to thump his chest and say, I am the leader. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Going back to your leadership thing, you, you can lead without a title. Yeah, exactly. You know, and 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 I would I would say this: people in your church, there are leaders in your church, there are influencers in your church. If you're listening to us, <laughs> and they don't have a title, yeah. And so, a, a wise pastor will identify who those influencers are. Exactly, and and build them up, them, and and, and, them. and develop that within them. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's another thing about missions too. I mean, you, you know, we we've been told. And it's true, but the pattern is constantly looking to replace ourselves eventually. And I think that's a really good leadership principle is that yeah. not always thinking of or seeing ourselves as the one at the at the pinnacle, but always developing somebody to bring along to put in that position. I mean, you, you, you probably any one of us have had the experience of maybe in the church world, somebody's a Sunday school superintendent, mm-hmm. but. It's really almost, it's almost for title or it's almost right. for because they're the senior person, but then there's somebody under that's really doing all the work yeah. and really has all the respect of the people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it's that or another ministry or something like that, we've all seen that happen. And again, um, you know, it, you, you know, it, it just, it just uh, reminds us that, um, I don't know what it reminds us of. You have to edit this out. I'm, that's twice now that I've had a blank in, in the middle. I, I want, that's okay, man. It's Friday. I kind of, I kind of, I, I, I may be stepping out of here, but I kind of wish um, I, I could quote this rather than I think uh, that I read this in a Maxwell book as far as leadership is concerned. But one of the things too was just recognizing that within the organization, just like you've just been talking about, that there, there are always going to be people who are better than you. And it's okay yeah. to recognize that and help develop that and, and, and let those people sometimes give that give that person an opportunity to shine. Um, sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, and and not be not build our own kingdom. I've I've got a list here of books I've read. I want, 
I went through and I just typed in my Amazon over the years, you know, and I typed in books and uh, I came up with 120 pages. Hmm. <laughs> so I've got a lot of Kindle books because, wow. you know, being a missionary, we travel. And so I need something electronic, but I bought a lot of physical books over the years. But I'm, I've got a list here uh, again. I'm, I'm saying this and I'm not endorsing everybody in, in these things, but uh, I'll give a little on each one of them. Accidental Pharisees by, by Larry Osborne was a tremendous book. Um, really helped me to look into my own legalistic tendencies and realize that uh, that I'm an accidental Pharisee, that I'm quick to judge sometimes. It really helped me evaluate myself. Um, these are all these are all sacred or you know Christian type stuff. I didn't I didn't put any of my my secular favorites in here, but uh, evangelism without discipleship, Bob Moffat. That's something we were using in our discipleship class and just seeing that there really isn't a distinction. We're called to make disciples. Um, Pagan Christianity, mentioned that one earlier. Simple Church, we talked about that one. Like Blackaby stuff, uh, Henry Blackaby, Experiencing mm-hmm. God. That was something we used a tremendous uh, amount in Venezuela and really got some strong responses from that. We just gave it to people. And as they read it, it was really encouraging to them. Um, <clears throat> Radical by David Platt. Um, just really thinking about this isn't this is not just a show up on Sunday kind of deal. And but this is life, and this is what, what are other people around the world doing, and what kind of level of sacrifice have they given? Just makes you evaluate your 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 Christianity, evaluate your walk, and saying, you know, are you what level of sacrifice am I willing to go to? How much am I willing to give up? Um, currently reading right now. Um, currently is a 360 leader by John C. Maxwell. And then the master plan of discipleship. I'm listening to that is uh, Coleman. Coleman, which yeah. is good. It's a new, it's a new one. He had a master plan of evangelism. Now he's got a new, the new one, the master plan of discipleship. Um, I, th- I mentioned several authors, but there's, I didn't mention any books by like Paul David Tripp. He's a good one. Um, like Dangerous the, calling. Huh? Dangerous calling. Uh, yeah. Yes. That's a yeah. tremendous book for pastors. Dangerous yeah. calling. Uh, he's got a great, great devotional book too, that I really like. Um, and uh, I've not started it yet, but there's a leadership book he just put out that I've heard is just exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, this is light reading, but it's not light reading. I like Max Lucado stuff. Um, you know, sometimes when um, I'll just say this, sometimes when you're in your spiritual walk uh, and you just need something a, a little bit. I want to say light because it's not light theologically. It's, it's deep thinking. Um, but you just need to, I like, I enjoy reading his stuff. Mm-hmm. Simple chapters. It's not real long stuff. You can kind of bite size stuff. Um, I'm passionate about discipleships. Obviously, uh, Robbie Gallaty is one who I pretty much tried to grab up everything he's written so far. Um, I had to actually dig a little deep and get some stuff off of eBay because some of his stuff's not easy to locate on Amazon. But, uh, anyway, that's kind of a list of, the, of, Pretty influential books for me. Obviously, scripture uh, is the most important. Do you read any fiction? Or do you read anything that um, outside of? Uh, yeah, I. As far as like Christian or just anything? Yeah, anything. Um, I used to. I, I read the series uh, "This Present Darkness." This is. I mean, it wasn't because it's. It's. But that really helped me think about the spiritual realm. I know it's fiction, yeah. but. Uh, um, there was some very interesting stuff in there as far as it was a good, it was a good story to follow. And I read all three books and kind of was one of those deals. My wife said, once you start it, you won't be able to put it down. She was absolutely right. I read yeah. all three books back to back. Um, you know, my grandpa used to like, like the old Louis Lamour. I've, I've yeah. read some of that stuff too. Yeah, in my childhood, I, I did a little bit of that. I think it fires your creativity too. And so sometimes writing and, and, and it can rest the mind. 
uh, while you're still challenging the mind, if I can say it that way. Yeah, that's, you know, you know I think that's important because um, I was just talking to my wife, talking to uh, a friend that a uh, fellow former missionary who's retired now. And I was just talking about that last night that um, we'll just say I'm, I've got I've struggles with blood sugar. And yeah. part of that is just, you know, I've, part of that is is just health wise. And I got to keep dealing with that constantly. My body just doesn't process it well. I need to lose some weight. The other side of that is stress. And yeah. I don't even try to. I just can't shut my brain off. Yeah. So sometimes it's just good for me to just get something like that that can totally kind of take me into a different world for a little while just to sure. kind of force my brain to turn off. Because if I many times in bed, I lay there for an hour or two thinking about all the stuff I'm doing. And it's not yeah. that I think it's horrible or bad. It's just something that helps kind of kind of distract me. I sure. Guess would be. And, and I think, that, you know, uh, the context that we're living in now with a lot of snippets and, and um, you know, blurbs and people get their news off of uh, social media now mm -hmm. that, you know, not making that a big part of our life. I mean, yeah, you're going to scroll, you're going to see things, see things and read, but actually doing some little, little bit deeper reading, whatever that would be, mm -hmm. you know, is, is better for us. You know, it keeps us, um, it challenges our, our, our thinking. It expands our thinking. It, it allows us to really, I mean, to read a book, it uh, takes a little bit of a commitment. That's not something that right. you're just going to do in, in, in 10 seconds or, you know, a, a minute or two a read. You're going to have to go a little bit, uh, you're going to have to commit some time to it and energy and effort. And then let me say this, you know, for me, I, I don't want to, I don't want to definitely want to guilt anybody into this either, because I think I go in surges. I go for a while, I read quite a bit. I'll go through three or four or five different books at a time, boom, you know, and, and then all of a sudden I'll go through a couple of months where we're just busy and I don't have the time to do that. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't think you should beat yourself up over it, but I definitely would see if you can, um, you know, try to have something you're reading constantly, just a chapter here and there and, you know, just get your, yeah, I, I would, yeah, I agree. I would say go, you know, go with what you, you know, what's interesting. I mean, we've all had, uh, a book that we've had to read for an assignment or something. Right. And it's you know, drudgery. I mean, and, and we don't, we hate it and we're just reading and we're just kind of, you know, at some points we just start skimming it and flipping pages and we right. really don't remember anything. Well, don't torture yourself over it, but, but there's got to be some interest out there for you. Uh, something, some aspect of your Christian faith. Uh, if not, um, uh, we get some area in your life that, that you would want to uh, that you would want to explore. I, I thought it was interesting. Um, I was reading about that Ben Franklin had like a five hour rule that uh, apparently he advocated spending an hour a day or f uh, five hours a, a week learning, mm -hmm. reflecting, and experimenting. And uh, so, just as simple as saying, you know, now for some of us that are not into reading or we just have over planned, I mean, one hour a day reading i mean how would i even fit that in start with a half an hour yeah start with 15 minutes exactly 15 minutes so you know every time you know maybe i maybe i don't need to watch as much tv because it's just you know you don't have to think very much on tv it's just kind of kind of it just kind of dumbs your brain down sometimes i think well, and hours can, and hours of that you can 
these are real practical. But I mean, if I was deep studying something before, I would keep a book and a highlight. I would keep a book and a highlighter in yeah. the bathroom. You know, if, you, if you're going to spend a few a few minutes a day in there, or uh, I would keep it on my bedside table. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you're if you're not doing Start anything, yeah. uh, just tuck it in places where you're going to spend a little bit of time. You're by yourself, and uh, there's no interruptions. And you know, so if you want to lay in bed, just read or uh, you know whatever whatever works. And some take some time to get away and get out and go sit. I mean, here you can go out and sit by the Malecon, by the ocean here, and mm-hmm. just listen to the waves rip in a little bit, and sit under a tree, and you know you can read a little bit or whatever. Or, or uh, you know, recently I had to stand in line for about two hours. Well, about an hour to stand in line to to be able to get inside the building to work on something. Yeah, there you go, Clado. <laughs> an hour in that line. And then an hour inside. You've been so there, it's like that. At least have the air conditioning inside. So I didn't even tell. We hadn't even talked about this, and you guessed where it was. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I knew that I was in for a long day. So yeah. I, yeah. So I just made sure that my iPad was charged up for my Kindle. I had a, a book on there. There was a certain subject that I was kind of uh, interested in reading, and so I just stood in the line, just just reading for an hour, and it, it helped pass the time, and I accomplished something. I accomplished two things. I accomplished the physical thing that I was after, but then I also, you know, fed myself you know, with that as well. Yep. So, well guys, I think, uh, I think kind of wrapping this up, we've kind of thrown some, some basic principles out there that you can apply. And, uh, we say this because it's been an encouragement to us. It's been things that, that have challenged us along the way. Uh, and it's, it's baby steps. Don't think you got to go out there and buy 10 books right now and start them all at one time, but or, you know, be like Bill Gates. I think he reads 150 pages a day. Something wow. like that is, is what I read. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. But I he's, he's like a brain. So well, he is brain. He, he's a pretty smart dude. So, <laughs> so get out there and read. Develop yourself. Uh, push no, yourself a little no, no. bit. Not 150 pages per day. Uh-oh, here we go. 150 pages per hour. What? That's what it says. According to uh, his wife, I guess that would be his former wife now, uh, approximately 150 pages per hour. Staggering speed. Yeah. But he he takes it in, understands the vast majority of what he reads. So he must he's like some sort of speed there's like reader. there's a, like speed reading classes that you can take. So in that's there. like two that's like two pages. I mean, we just given bonus time to our podcast now. <laughs> that's like two pages. I'm just fascinated by that. Like two pages a minute. Yeah, more than two pages a minute. I mean, I could be two pages in ten minutes. Two pages, yeah, like twenty minutes. Yeah. So we're, anyway, yeah. Don't don't get discouraged. Don't p- compare yourself to don't be about Gates to, to Bill Gates. Start slow. That's yep. all right. Read ten minutes a day, and let the challenges of life and ministry push you towards the direction. Let, let 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 you know something you want to develop yourself in or learn more about. Um, sure, you know, but don't I, neglect the study of scripture. No, 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 no. Actually, uh, use this to help you dig deeper. Yeah. Help you dig deeper. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. what right now. I'm just kind of sure. wrapping it up. Um, probably two one of the biggest. Uh, I mean, this may be a can of worms here, but you know, John six and Romans nine are huge passages of scripture that are very yeah. high, highly debated in theological circles. Yeah. So I've, I've bought a lot of Kindle stuff in the recent months, just looking into those two chapters. Cause I want to dig deeper. I want to, I want to find out what's there. Obviously I have to form my own final conclusion. I'm not going to let somebody else tell me, but there's a lot, there's a lot there to chew on. Sure. So, and that's where I'm life going. is filled with things we don't know and things that we could explore deeper and, and things that can enrich us and expand our thinking and capabilities. And so, Hey, grab a book. Yep. Well, guys, I hope that encourages you. I hope that challenges you a little bit in your own personal development. And, uh, again, we thank you for being with us and challenge you to dig deep and grab a book. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening to the Vision Life 365 podcast. Be sure to check out our website, visionlife365.org. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast 
for a new episode each and every week. Thanks so much for being a part and being with us here, and we look forward to being with you again next week.